So this scripture reading is from the Gospel of Mark. It's the first chapter, and it starts with verse 14. If you want to read along, it's on page 867 in the Pew Bible. So I encourage you now to listen for the word of the Lord. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. And he said, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Here ends the reading. All right, so I asked you when we began our worship service, how many times have you moved in your lifetime? Let's go for the fewest number of times. Anybody move only once? Right there, we have, we have people who've moved once in their lifetime. Wow. So, so here's, a, here's an interesting thing is, is that really up until... Um, up until the 20th century, really, you would have been absolutely the norm. Most people, you know, and if they did, they would have moved within their village. You know, maybe, maybe a woman gets married or, or whatever, and so she moves into the household of her new husband. But, but they would not have moved, or they wouldn't have moved very far. Most people probably never got with, outside of about 30 miles of where they were born, so just imagine that kind of, you know, that kind of, of view of the world where all you really knew was, was about 30 miles around you. At most, those were the people you interacted with. Those were the people that you, that you were with. Um, to now, where you wouldn't have to move and you could know about an infinite number of people who don't live anywhere near you. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll try this. I know there, we have some military people in the, in the congregation, so oftentimes those folks get moved around a lot. Most number of times, let's go um, over 15. Raise your hand. Okay, got them over 15. All right, let's go over 20. Still got one, two, all right. 25. All right, so somewhere in there, between 20 and 25. All right. Yeah, so, and I know that part of that was, was some military movement, right? You're over 25, you, you forgot to count those. Yeah, okay. All right, all right. So that's a, real, that's a very different experience. It's a very different experience than maybe moving one time. I mean, that's just a very different experience. You, you, you've, you've perhaps seen some things differently, you know, won't ask you to share. 
all right? So, so when we, and, we, and when we think about moving, when we think about moving, oftentimes when we're moving, we're, we're, we're moving toward something and we're moving away from something. Am I right? So uh, at one point in time in Jennifer and I's life, in, in, in 10 years, we moved 13 times. Mostly, there was a lot of within the, the same college town that we, that we were in because we moved from, a, you know, from college housing to an apartment, an apartment back to college housing, that, that sort of thing. It was just sort of like, oh, this seems easier now, let's do that, or it's less expensive now, let's do that, or we got a job over here, let's do that, or somebody offered it, you know, whatever. But generally, we were moving towards something, but also away from something. So maybe away from a, a bigger payment, maybe toward schooling, when we, you know, when we moved to Ohio, we, I, was, uh, I was moving toward graduate school. When we moved to Arlington, Virginia, um, we were moving toward an internship. But sometimes we, we, we move away from things. I don't know what your experience is, but there, there are people who say, you know what, I've just got to get out of here. I've, I've been here too long. People know me too well. I need a fresh start. And so they, they, they move to another uh, location. Especially back, you know, pre, again, pre-20th century and even early 20th century, you could really do that because there was little identification, right? They didn't have pictures of you on a passport, pictures of you on a, on a driver's license, um, you know, that sort of thing that you were checking. You could, you could get somebody to fabricate a new name and a new birth certificate and all that. You, I suppose you could today if you watched TV enough, you know. But back then, you could, cre- you could move across country. You could make up a whole new life for yourself. And there are people who created empires in the United States because they, they came from another country where they had been of a lower class or, a, or, a, or, um, or had even been in jail and they came to the United States and they started over brand new, had a fresh start with a new name and created something completely different than what they had before. But even when we move, even when we move, we still carry who with us ourselves. No matter how far geographically you move away from something, you still have to deal with what's going on in between your head, in between your ears, and in between your head and your heart. So many people, they'll, they'll move far away, but then they'll end up right back in the same situation that they were before because they never made the move in their mind. They never dealt with the issues that were going on between their head and their heart. The Bible, our scriptures, have movement all over, all over in it. I mean, in the beginning, God moved over the waters. God's spirit moved over the waters. God spoke and created the universe. God moved. Abraham 
was called to leave his home and to move and go to the promised land, which God was going to tell him about. He didn't know where he was going, but he was on the move. He was going somewhere. And people, we were just talking about this this week with somebody. Somebody said, oh my gosh, you know, Abraham left everything and took off and left his homeland and all this sort of thing and, and went, you know, to the promised land and he was all on his own. And I said, no, he didn't read the story. Abraham was quite wealthy. He took every sheep, every goat, every, every cow. He took, he took his, his nephew with him. He took, I mean, he took all these people. He had this whole entourage with him. It wasn't like he, you know, like the American ideal, you know, the lone person out there climbing the mountain. When he went, he took everything. So there are stories like that, just like in the New Testament here, where Jesus comes along to these fishermen and, and he says to them, okay, come and I'll make you fishers of men. And they just immediately leave. Now, they don't take anything with them. I mean, they leave everything behind, but they immediately go. It's like there's no hesitation, especially Mark, right? I don't know if you, if you remember, Mark use, uses the word immediately, like, I don't know, 14, 15, 16 times just in the first few chapters. Immediately they left their nets. Immediately they followed Jesus. They, they made a move. One commentator says that um, we, we often hear that in the scripture that they were fishermen and Jesus says, I want to make you fishers of men. I want to make you fish for men. But in a sense, what he was saying is, I'm going to change your identity. I'm going to change your identity. You're not going to be fishermen anymore. You're going to be followers. You're going to be disciples. Your whole identity is going to change. The move that you're going to make is going to significantly change you. And that's one of the truths about moving, is it will change you. I mean, if nothing else, you've got to change where you put the Cheerios. I mean, it's a different, different cabinet in the kitchen, right? A move is going to change you. It's going to change your routines and your habits, the ways you go to work, the way you, way you come home. And it's hard sometimes, those changes. We have a lot of ideas about how things are supposed to be in our lives. And when we are called to make a move, we have a hard time accepting that things might be different. Even if we're moving towards something new and something that we're excited about. There's a piece of us that wants things to stay the same. That's why I love the story of Jonah. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah. And Jonah says, I'll have none of it. Why? Because the Assyrians are the largest and, and most brutal, most powerful nation that keeps beating up on Israel. So the Israelites and the Assyrians don't like each other very much. And um, the Assyrians would, would, have, would, you know, would have not been considered God followers, of course, because they're not, they're not the Israelites. They're not Jewish. They're not Hebrews. And so already they're outside of the covenant according to the Jewish people. And so when Jonah gets asked to go, 
He's like, there's no way I'm going there. According to the scripture, it's a city that's about 60 miles across. So just imagine how many people, 120,000 people, it says in the, in the scripture as it's translated, but we don't know, but it's 60 miles across. It's a three-day walk across this huge city, probably one of the largest cities of the time, according to the story as it's told. And so, and so imagine all of the people, and here's Jonah, and now he's going to go, a single solitary person, to this huge superpower and give them a message from God that basically says what? You're going to be destroyed. You're going to be overthrown. What's interesting about this message is there's no good news in it. I mean, did you hear it? Like, it's in 40 days, you will be overthrown. It doesn't say repent. It doesn't say turn your hearts. It doesn't say any of that. That's the message. So, so how would you like that? I'm calling you to go to your company and tell your CEO, in 40 days, you're going to be taken over. And you're the janitor. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, imagine the move that then has to make. Well, so, so Jonah, Jonah takes off and goes exactly the opposite way. Right? We know this story. He goes exactly the opposite way. Um, he, he gets on a boat with these sailors. A big storm comes up. He's going, he's going away, from, away from what God wants him to do. He gets swallowed by the big fish. We always say Jonah and the whale. It's a big fish. We don't know if it's a whale, just to be technical about it. Um, and so he's in, he's in the fish three days and three nights. Just going to drop this on you. I'm not going to talk about it very much. Later on in the scripture, Jesus says, the only sign I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. Just go check that out sometime. Just go check that out sometime. He's in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The, I mean, it's, it's great in the scripture. Basically, the, the whale vomits him up on the on the sand. And so then the word of the Lord comes to him a second time. Same message. Jonah goes. He gets, he gets a third of the way. He gets a third of the way on his move now. Now he's made the move, right? He's gone from not following God to following what God would say, but he's not happy about it. He's not happy about it at all. And he's there. So he's there. In 40 days, you're going to be overthrown. In 40 days, you're going to be overthrown. I mean, I don't know how you'd receive this message, but I don't know that it would change my life any. Okay, so in 40 days, I'm going to be overthrown. I don't believe you. But for whatever reason, the people of the city then completely turn around and they're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to stop. We're going to put on sackcloth, which meant um, we're going to repent. Um, we're going to change. We're going to change some things. And I love this part. Jonah began to walk into the city going a day's walk, and he cried out, 40 days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. 
So they believed that they were going to be overthrown in 40 days. They proclaim a fast and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. So that's, that's pretty cool. Everyone, great and small, puts on sackcloth. But then it goes farther. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Again, a sign of penitence. A sign of making oneself humble. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered in sackcloth. I just want you to picture this for just a moment. You got a cow covered in sackcloth. It's just odd, right? But I, love, but I love the imagery here. It's not only the people that are making a repentance. It's not only the people that, are, that, are, that their hearts are somehow being changed or turned or whatever's happening here. It's the government as well. The king gets involved and says, everybody's going to do this. The people and the political system is humbling itself after hearing this message of destruction. All shall turn from their evil ways and from violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change God's mind. God may turn from his anger so that we do not perish. There's no guarantee here. Not in the eyes of the king. Jonah sent. He brings this message. The people of Nineveh, for whatever reason, seem to be having this, this amazing um, turn and change in the way that they are operating. And so God relents. In the, in, the, in the scripture, it said God repents of what God was going to do. It's an, interesting, it's an interesting phrase. I dug into it a little bit, and I, and I couldn't necessarily make sense of it. I don't like the word that repent. I think it's more of a turn. God, you know, it's like, it's like, well, I intended to go this way. I intended to do this, but then, but then things changed, and so I decided to go this way. God turned from the way, and this happens many times in scripture, in, in, in one place with Moses, God changes God's mind. I love that. God was going to destroy all the people, and Moses got him to stop. When God see what they did, saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do so. But this was very displeasing to Jonah. He's made the move physically, but he hasn't made the move in his heart. Because these people don't deserve God's mercy in Jonah's mind. These people don't deserve what God would be giving them in terms of, um, in terms of mercy, in terms of grace. It seems like in Jonah's mind, no matter what they would do, it would be wrong. That they, they, should, they should be held to account for all the dastardly bad, bad things that they've done. That's his movement. And so he's like, oh, 
God, I knew you were a God of steadfast and abundant love. I knew that you were filled with mercy. That's why I didn't want to come here. Isn't that amazing? That's why I didn't want to come here, because I knew that you were abounding in steadfast love. I knew that you were a God full of grace. That's why I didn't want to come here. And so he goes outside of the city and he sits down and, and, and it's, it's really interesting. This plant grows up and it gives him shade. And then the next day it says God caused a worm to come and attack the plant and the plant dies and, and the next day God causes a very hot wind to come and of course what's Jonah doing? He's complaining again. Oh, this plant, why did it have to die? Blah, blah, blah. And God says, why do you... Why do you care about this plant? Plants come and go. But the people of Nineveh, why should you care why I care for them? God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night. It perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals? Should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city, where there are these many people? When God calls us to make a move, we often don't know where the end of that move is going to be. There's a liturgy that says we are called on paths of which we do not know the ending. So many times in the life of this congregation over the past 15 and a half years, the session and I have said yes to things and we have not necessarily known what the, the end outcome was going to be. A few years ago, you know, we said, we said yes to a renovation and we said yes to a capital campaign. And of course, our little plan was everything's going to be done, everything's going to be taken care of. But when God asks you to make a move, you better be ready for God to move at God's time. And so here we are, over a year later, there's still no renovation happening, right? But here we are, still a year later, worshiping God in this beautiful space, in this beautiful place, with all of us. There are still opportunities for mission and ministry. And yes, the renovation is going to move forward this year. And we're super excited about that. But God is continually calling us to make a move individually and corporately into the lives of people that we don't know about, into the lives of people that we have made judgments about. God calls us all the time to move. But it's not just about our action. God calls us to look inside of ourselves Because God is already at work in us, moving us to open us to what God is showing us. And we have the greatest example and model in our Savior. Because Jesus made a move, it says, 
Because it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in, in Paul writes that Jesus, even though he found himself equal with God, he did not hold that equality, but he humbled himself and he poured himself out as an offering for all of humanity. Jesus made a move to come to us, to give his life for us, that we might know that God is the one who always makes the first move. God was in Nineveh well before Jonah got there. And we don't know what happened to Jonah. The story ends on a cliffhanger. And there was no second season. We don't know what the end of our paths are going to be. But one thing we, you can be sure of is God is already in front of you making the move. So whatever that is, no matter how scary that is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how much it challenges what you think you know, what you think you believe, make the move. Trust in the one who poured himself out for us that we might then be poured out as an offering for this world. Amen.